0: Good morning, welcome to Lindsay Lane, and happy Mother's Day. Ladies, it's a big day in the life of the church, and we celebrate with your families today. If you have your Bibles, open to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, as we continue in our sermon series called The Future. Numbers 13, from last week, just to catch you up, if uh, if you weren't with us last week or Need a fresh reminder? God has delivered the Israelites from Pharaoh, and he is leading them to the land of promise. And they are with him, and they are obeying him for about 10 chapters worth, until they begin to give more authority to their feelings than to their faith, and the object of their faith. What was once gratuity is now complaint, and what was once childlike obedience was now an attitude of doubt and contention. Still, God persists with them, amen? Can any of you thank God for his patience and his long-suffering and endurance with us? God persists with Israel as the land of promise is just around the corner. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 20 through 21 and 22, we've told you to turn to Numbers 13, stay there. Deuteronomy chapter 1 is a parallel passage to where we are now. Moses said, I say to you, you have now reached the hill country of the Amorites that the Lord our God is giving us. Look, he has placed this land in front of you. Go and occupy it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors has promised you. Don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. Verse 22, but you all came to me and said, first, let's send out scouts to explore the land for us and they will advise us on the best route to take, which towns we should enter. Did you notice the change of direction in verse 22? To where Moses said, God is giving you the land in the first two verses. And then he says, but you all came to me and said. God allowed the scouts. The scripture, said even it sa- or the scripture says that Moses even thought that it was a good idea. It's not a bad idea to send out people beforehand, to come back with a report, we'll know how to take it, what strategies to take. However, that word, but, indicates a change in direction. It is a word that is used following a phrase that contrasts what has already been stated. God has promised the future, but the people want proof. And once again, they are devaluing the promise of God. Lord, would you speak to our heart and our mind plain and clear today, Lord, we ask God that you'd minister to all of us in Spirit of God. Would you speak truth to every individual heart here? And take us, Lord, from where we are to where we need to be in a closer walk with you. Lord, at the end of this service, if there are those that need to decide with devotion to follow you for the first time, or Lord, to decide with devotion to follow in believers' baptism or join the church, whatever step of obedience we need to take, Lord, would you move on our hearts strong? if it's just that we need to trust you with all of our affairs, or if we need to trust you and seek you, Lord, with every single thing that's going on, we ask, God, that you would lead us towards a decision point and takeaway, Father, at the end of this time, in Jesus' name, amen. Parents, have you ever coached your kid to jump from the diving board into your arms in the swimming pool? Have you ever coached them to jump from the side into your arms, into the swimming pool. You are there in the water, hands and arms extended with a present promise, right, to catch them. You know that you will. Even the child believes that you will. But in that moment, and some of you may have children that are just, throw caution to the wind and jump in maybe even without you, right? But in that moment, while you know that you will catch them, and you tell them so, and they actually believe that you will, in that moment, they give more to their fear than to what they believe. When that happens, has been our experience, rather than just quitting altogether, what happens is they start making deals with you. I'll just get to the side, you stand right there, and I'll just fall over into your arms. Or let's go to the steps. Let's go to the steps, I'll get down on the second step, you still stand in the shallow end, and I'll jump from there while I'm in the water. So instead of just refusing, they begin to make deals. And the parent may allow this. The parent may accept this form of entertainment because they love the child, but the parent, listen to this, but the parent knows that the experience needed for the child is the jump they know it's the jump that they need because the jump is the forerunner of the cannonball. And the cannonball is the prerequisite to the dive. And that jump off the side leads to greater steps of strength. And it's better for the child, and it's better for the child's relationship with the parent. Now, the Scripture says, when your faith is tested... When you are in a circumstance or situation where you are on the side and the Lord says, jump, I've got it. When your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, the Bible says. Let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Israel was moving into the future. They're moving into a future that they have been promised, but they cannot see. But God could see it. God could see fully what was happening, and they belonged to God. So with their future, because God knew what was going to happen, and they belonged to God, they could trust God for their future. When you belong to God, he will lead you to a promised future, watch this, with a present strength as you trust in him. Have you trusted your future to the Lord? Or do you just want to know that you're going to heaven and you'll take care of the rest? Wednesday nights, we've been studying the the life of the Apostle Peter. The ups and downs, the twists and turns. It's going to be the study material that our our children at Best Week Ever that's coming up. Vacation Bible School, they're going to be studying. The Apostle Peter, he, he had the promised future for a believer in Jesus. But in the Gospels, when his faith was tested leading up to the crucifixion, it was wavering and it was weak. But the apostle before the crucifixion in the Gospels who denied any connection to Jesus and the apostle after the resurrection in the book of Acts who preached himself into prison for the cause of Christ is one who has grown in his faith from denial to courage in shouting and preaching the gospel. His endurance grew as he lived and believed in Jesus. And the man you see in Acts is one that not only has a promised future, but he's got a present strength content, perfectly complete, lacking nothing, the endurance being developed. The Lord knew that if Israel would have remembered how he delivered them from Egypt. And he knew that if they would remember that he provided for them in the wilderness, and if they would just trust him once again to do it again, they would take hold of their future with a resolved and confident disposition. I would encourage you this morning to check your message history again. Amen. Remember where God has brought you from to where you are now. Remember what God has done in your life to where you are now. And if you are facing the opportunity to jump into the water based on the promise and the extended arms of God, don't forget all the times that he's caught you before and led you into the water. Still, with all of these promises, with the presence of God, Israel is treating the promised land like it's prospective land. Like it's land that could be if they take it right. Not land that God said, I'm going to give it to you either way. And God obliges. He's patient. He says, all right, Moses, send out 12 leaders to go on and bring back what I already know is there and what I've already told you is there. But send them out anyway. Now, Numbers chapter 13, verses 25 through 33. Let's read this together. Lord, lead us through, Father, we ask in Jesus' name. Verse 25, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. And they reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. Verse 27, now keep this verse in mind because we'll see it again later. We entered the land that you sent us to explore And indeed, it is a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. Now, here's that word again in verse 28. But, notice the change of direction. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are fortified and large. And we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live, in the Negev, and the Hittites, and Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb, and there's another change of direction towards faith again, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as soon as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We cannot go up against them. They're stronger than we are. And so, they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. And next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they felt, too. That's what they thought, too. The spies had traveled approximately ballpark 500 miles across 40 days to explore the land that God had promised. And they returned, and they came back with souvenirs. They brought back pomegranates and figs and clusters of grapes, not like you would get at Publix across the road, but clusters of grapes that they had to carry on their shoulders they were so big, a land that was bountiful. And the land was truly abundant, and they saw that, and they saw the land that God had promised. But their conclusion was, this is a great place for a small group of skilled men to break into inconspicuously, but it's a bad place for God's people to take over. God's people. I want you to consider the very real illustration situation I'm about to give to you. I want you to consider the very real idea that God moves on your heart towards the mission field. Or maybe it's just that God moves on your heart towards a mission trip. He's leading you either for a long time or for a brief time from where you are comfortably across cultures for his cause. Now, you've got concerns about where you're going because it's an unknown and you're human to have those concerns. But in your heart, you know that you belong to God and that he has put it on your heart so the trip is planned and a seat is saved for you by your request. But there's just enough time between now and when you leave for you within your resources to go on your own to that land on a reconnaissance mission. And you go and you scope it out. The mission trip destination, you've got a ticket you've got a plane ride, you go over there, you spend a few days, you take in the sights and the sound and the culture and you look at what's before you and when you return, you go back to the missions pastor and you take your name off the list. And everybody's like, what happened? We thought that you were ready to go with us. We we thought that you were seated on the plane and we're going on the mission trip. God had put this on your heart, remember? And you report, listen, the country that we're going to is approachable. But the people are intimidating. And when we get there, they're going to influence us more than we influence them. It's not going to go well. I'm afraid and I'm fearful that when we get there, we won't come back. And then, even past that, once you start that in a reply to the question, then you go around to the rest of the mission trip team and then to the whole church and go, I wouldn't go there if I were you. I'm just telling you, I went over there myself. I know we felt like God wanted us to go, and I know he's promised to give us power and be with us everywhere, but maybe not there, because it's rough over there. Those people over there, they say that they're this and that, but they're not. And So in your own heart, you decided no, and then you ask people to say no with you. Does that kind of put in perspective where Israel is? God has promised them to be with them. He has a purpose for them a purpose for all of them to go and take the land so that they would continue to be a blessing all the way down to Jesus. But they begin to listen to their fears more than their faith. They send out scouts. The scouts go and they look at it. And indeed, there's some awesome parts of it. It's approachable for sure. We can make a dollar over there for sure. But I've seen the people and the people are scary. And the towns are fortified. Everybody's locked up. The hearts of people are locked up. So there's no way that we'll make a difference. Well, What happened between the promise and the purpose? Fear. Fear happened. Fear became a greater motivator and a greater influence on their future than their faith. Now, when you read the Bible, and we do this often, where we we teach what questions to ask when you read the Scripture. God's Spirit will guide into truth. That's where you need to start. And just trust that God's Spirit will make it plain to your heart. But there are some questions that will help you discern the Spirit of God. And one of those questions is, what do I see? When you read this passage from the book of Numbers, what do you see? And do you not see fear across that passage? What started out was God's Word and His promise between that and the present or the purpose is fear. Fear. Fear changed the direction. Fear is a natural response. Fear is a God-given natural response to us to tether us or to protect us. But listen to this, fear is not to lead us. Fear is given to hold us back. It's given to give us good caution. But it's not given to us towards decision-making, towards a life of faith. That if we step here, something bad will happen. If we step here, something bad will happen. As long as I'm comfortable here, I just stay here. That's not how it's supposed to work. Yesterday, we were driving. It was just me and my son. Davis is sitting over here on the passenger side. We're on the way to Brewer, the big city of Brewer, Alabama. And we're on the way, and about through Priceville, we look up, and there's this huge cross. I don't know if any of you have seen this. It's, it's huge. It's high and wide and big. And I look up and I'm like, Davis, look at that thing. He's like, man. We both together are like, wow, that thing is huge. And he said to me, he said, every time I see something big like that, I always wonder what it would be like if it fell on me. (laughs) And I was was like, what? He said, yeah. He's like, you know, when you see something like that that's so tall and big, like the trees, too. Like, look how huge those trees are. He's like, always when I look up there I feel like those things are gonna fall on me now what's weird is (laughs) I gave this you know usually when I involve my family members in illustrations I try to run it by them the most that I can last night I'm going through this illustration Noelle our daughter stops me in the middle of she goes me too (laughs) I always feel like it's gonna fall and fall on the top of me and I was like what so when we're driving and as he said that I go into like dad mode and I'm like son And I begin to to kind of take that serious and be like, well, let's talk about how irrational that fear is. Like he's not considering, listen to this part. He's not considering the engineering. He's not considering the anchor. He's only thinking about the scenario. Fear is what should kick in if the cross starts to fall. Fear is not what leads you to believe that it will. Some of us live within that chapter right there. We believe that everything is going to get us. Everyone's going to get us. If we take this step, it's going to get us. If we do this, it's not going to work out. I don't have control. God doesn't have control. What if everything falls on me and I stay under it? Fear, listen to these next three points. Number one, fear screens the truth. Fear screens the truth. In that illustration, once again, fear does not consider the anchoring or the engineering. Fear only thinks about the scenario. Can I just give you a practical application? I would caution all of us to stop playing the scenario game. I mean, what if, and what if, and what if? Because fear only thinks about the things that could happen, and fear will hold you down, and fear screens the truth. In our passage and in our lives, fear keeps us from remembering what God has said about our present state and our promised future. Before, now remember when I told you in that passage of scripture that you need to key in on that one verse because it's coming up again? Think about the point here that fear screens the truth. Before God delivered, before God delivered people of Israel from Egypt. He said to them through Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 17. He said this, I have promised to rescue you from the oppression of Egypt. Now watch this. I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. What was their report? That. God had told them that before he freed them from Egypt. And so when he says, go on and send your little scouts out there. And when they come back, what do you think God's attitude was when they begin to say, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Oh, milk and honey. Seems like I've heard that somewhere before. Let me tell you who's all out there. Perizzites, Hittites. And God's going, yep, said all those. I told you this before I delivered you from Egypt. Why did no one remember that? Because all they were thinking about was the scenario that was ahead. All they were thinking about is, we're going to go in there, and they're going to take us all out. We're going to go in there, and we're going to starve, because they're going to make us our slaves. And No one thought about what God has said, because everybody was living in fear. Not everybody, but most folks were living in fear. And God knew the report before it ever came back. He already told them. But How can you take the Lord at his word when any remembrance of his word is boxed out by fear? How can they remember the Lord's promise when he said, he keeps calling it the land that I am giving you? That's in chapter 13, verse 2, when their mind is only to open to what could go wrong. Now, y'all, this is one takeaway for sure. If you are constantly taking in scenarios, now listen to this, if you are constantly taking in sources of fear instead of the source of truth, you can expect to live in a constant state of worry and doubt. God holds the future for his people. God's word holds the promises of that future. Church, read the Bible and trust the truth. Take in the Bible more than you take in your favorite news source. Take in the Bible more than you take in your fake news source. Take in the Bible more than you take in Instagram reels. Take in the Bible more than you take in gossip from people. And being around those folks where every day you see them, they're talking about how this country's going to heck in a handbasket. Some of y'all are going to find yourself alone because you can't even talk more about the Lord than you can about the state of this place. Think about that. Think about what you're receiving into your mind. If you are constantly around fear, you're going to think fear. It's never going to get better. It's always going to get bad. You'll talk yourself out of believing that God can't fix it. Fear screens the truth. Read the Bible, church. Read the Bible. Take more of the Bible in. This morning, let me just kind of let you in on what happened. We had a... We had a lady fall this morning and uh, hurt, her, hurt her elbow, hurt her arm. Had, by the way, we got great folks here to take care of each other. Thank, thank God for who is here. had great folks here to take care of each other. You know what she said? As she was just like writhing in pain, she said, I studied all week to be in group today. That's the only sermon I needed today. I'm telling you, preacher got his message right there. She said, I studied all week to be in group today, and I'm going to have to miss it. Take in the Bible. The very Word of God, faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God. The very Word of God that told you how to get saved is the very Word of God that will comfort you in your fear. It's the very Word of God that will guide you into your future. It's the very Word of God that will help you give you endurance for living so that you will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Take in the Scripture and then you can help somebody else with it. See, sometimes the reason nobody comes to us, asks us questions about how their life and their future is because they don't believe that you can answer it from the Scripture. Come on, Christians. Take it in. Take in the Scripture. Fear, secondly, seeks the path of least resistance. Listen to that again. Fear seeks the path of least resistance. Is this not proven in the fact that the vast majority began to join the side of retreat? They were like, let's just go back or stay put. Let's don't go forward. We don't know what's there. It would be easier if we stay right here. Fear will paralyze you and keep you in place. The covenant promise of God to Israel was certainly his purposeful provision and position. Listen to this. The promise of God to Israel was blessing. It is God's desire to bless from cover to cover of the Bible. But it is not a promise of continued comfort and entertainment. We often think that's what blessing is. God, would you bless me with a comfortable job, a comfortable salary, things to make me laugh, and Lord, that I would be able to do it again on Monday with all the health that you can provide. I mean, that's really sometimes, if we're honest, what we're hoping for, what we're thankful for what we are hoping our kids have is we want God's blessing, but we want it the way that we want it. But here, when God promised Israel, promised land, and for them to be a blessing through the entire world, that Jesus would come through that line, when he promised to be their people, and when he promised to be their God and they would be his people, and when he promised his presence, all of those things, do you know that it began with the instruction to leave what is familiar to you and go to an unfamiliar country? That makes it a little bit different, don't it? God has promised to bless us, but he said we've got to leave all we've ever known and go to somewhere we've never, ever been. Now, in that, we understand that this is the opposite of comfortable. It is the opposite of entertainment, yet it is still the promise of God. And when God reaffirmed his promise to Abram, In Genesis chapter 15, 1, he said to him these words, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. Why did God say that? Because he needed him to say it. Because there were reasons and temptations to fear. There were opportunities to be afraid and to be led by fear. But God reaffirmed, do not be afraid. I'm with you. I am with you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're a Christian, the Bible teaches us that the Spirit of God is on the inside of us. The very presence of God is the seal of our salvation. The very presence of God is a reminder that we are saved. Whatever you go through, Christian, if God's Spirit is on the inside of you, and you are a liver and believer in Jesus Christ, God is with you. He is with you. But we want the blessing without the blisters. We want provision. And we want position without any problems. We want to love our neighbor, but we really don't want to get involved in any of their myths. We want mission trips. We just don't want any threat of discomfort for me or my family. We want witnessing opportunities. We just want them to get saved every time, and we don't want anybody to think we're weird. We don't want any contentious response. We want more from church, but we're afraid of what our church would ask of us. We want more from our church, but without our church really asking us to do anything. If we're honest, we are scared to be stretched. Anybody? We're scared of it. We're scared of what we don't know. We're scared to not know the answers. We're scared to get in a group because we're afraid somebody's going to call us out and make us stand and sing a special. I can assure you that none of group leaders, if you're in here, don't do that. There's your training right there. Don't, don't ask new people to give testimony on the first day. Like, We're scared, though, about what's going to happen. We're scared to say the answer. We don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what that word means. We're scared not to know the answers. We're scared to do something for God when we've not done something before. We're scared to give, so we don't listen to uh, uh, about giving. When anybody talks about giving, we just shut it down. Because the truth is, we're scared because we don't know how it affect our lifestyle. So instead of us opening ourselves up to the truth of God's word, we complain about po- folks and preachers and leaders when they talk about giving. Truth is, we're scared because we don't know what it looks like. Even though God's promised to bless it, we'd rather just keep what we got instead of be blessed. Ask yourself is the reason you are not taking a step closer toward where the Lord is leading you is because you just don't know how it will go. And that intimidates you. Listen, I have been there. There's certain things that I put off, and I put it off strictly because I don't know what I'm doing. Handyman stuff all the time. There's things that I'll get home and think, I need to do this, and I'll let it go and let it go and let it go. And the reason I let it go is, is I'm scared that I'm gonna fail, and my buddies are scared I'm gonna call them. (laughs) Yeah, there's, there's there's one guy in this sanctuary that one time I called him and goes, "What is it now?" He said, "What's broken." Fear will hold us down. Fear, it seeks the path of least resistance. It's easier just to let something lay in the corner rather than to to tackle it. But God has promised in his word that if you draw close to him, he will draw close to you. Is that enough of a promise from God that whatever step you need to take towards him He will be closer to you when you take that step as he will draw close to you. Is that enough of a promise from God to get you to move? If God's word endorses endurance, we have to see difficulties as opportunities for strength. Now, it's hard to do that on the inside of a storm, but difficulties are opportunities to get stronger. They're not reasons to quit. And difficulties are not reasons to be idle They are opportunities to get stronger. And if God's word promises his presence, we must see obstacles as opportunities for a closer walk with our creator and savior. Fear wants what's easy. The people say in chapter 14, verse three, why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Chapter 14, verse three again says that. Why would he send us there to only have us killed in battle? He's not doing that. In fact, he's taking you to a future for something greater than yourself, and you're going to win. That's his promise. If you can't believe a promise from God, you can't believe a promise from anyone. And before that, they said in chapter 14, verse 2, if we'd only died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, meaning it would be easier for us to die in what we know than to live in what we don't. David Jeremiah said this, Being, I love this, being in a hard place with God is better than being in an easy place without Him. It's fear for sure. It's fear in your life for sure. Receive this today. It's fear in your life when you'd rather go back to a troubled past than forward to a promised future. Thirdly, fear stifles obedience. Fear stifles obedience. Verse 32 says, They spread a bad report. Y'all listen to this. They did more talking than trusting. They did more processing than praying. They exaggerated the dangers of people in the land with the purpose of stirring up resistance. Because if we doubt God, it's easier for us to doubt God if all the rest of us do too. It's easier on my conviction if I got a bunch of other people that say the same thing. Hear the word again, fear stifles obedience. Verse 4 of chapter 14. Chapter 14, verse 4 says, Then they plotted among themselves, Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Now, do you remember from last week and a couple of chapters prior when God clearly endorsed Moses? When Aaron and Miriam were like, Is Moses the only leader we got? And God was like, I trust him. We talk face to face. The Bible says in chapter 12, verse 7, God said of Moses, of all my house, he is the one that I trust. That has just literally happened. And then fear, a short time later, is now leading them to the point of saying, give us somebody else that will tell us something different. God, you must be wrong. Raise up somebody else that will tell us something different. Listen to this. Fear becomes sinful when it draws our attention away from the Lord. I believe we have to be very careful. Y'all, please hear this before you leave today. I believe we have to be very careful as we consider our world today. I'm trying to be calm when I say this. We have so many overwhelmed and overloaded Christians. Who have given their mind over to current events and culture, that we are now tempted to feel like God Himself cannot help us. I, absolute truth. Yeah, I know praying and all that. Yes, I know trusting in the Bible and the standard and all that. I know we should call on God and all that, but give me a leader I won't live in the flesh. That'll save us from all this mess. Give me a break. Nothing new under the sun. We are trusting in almighty God for our future. Not a lawmaker, not a president, not a preacher, not a teacher, not a coach, not a family member. Almighty God. He's the only one that can tell you what's coming. He's the one that made all these folks and made me and you. Now, that doesn't take away from our responsibilities doesn't take away from us being contributing members to this community for the cause of Christ. But my Lord, have mercy on us if we trust in a man more than we trust in the Messiah. Verse 10 of chapter 14. Chapter 14, verse 10 tells us that they even reached the point of stoning Joshua and Caleb, the two voices of faith. Can you imagine the people of God? hearing voices of faith, and them getting together and going, we got to deal with them, man. we got to get them out of here. We've got to put them down. Think of it. God's people ready to stone two trusted men of God. Joshua and Caleb said to the people of Israel in chapter 14, verse 9, do watch this, do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land. Do you see how disobedience and fear are connected? Fear becomes sinful when it draws our attention away from the Lord. At the end of the day, fear cannot be your excuse before God for disobedience. It's still disobedience. The psalmist said, one, one verse and a few points, and this may be one of the strongest things you'll hear today. The psalmist said in Psalm 34 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me, he freed me from all my fears. The scripture does not say that he freed me from all my problems. It does not say that he freed me from all my circumstances. The Bible says that God freed him from all his fears in the circumstances. From all his fears in the problems. How many of you and how many of our decisions about what we do and about what we don't do are rooted in fear? Is it really a conviction from God are we scared? We're just scared of what's going to happen. That's why we do what we do. Are we making decisions in faith or out of fear? Are we processing more than we are praying? Are we saturated more by current events than we are by Scripture? Are we seeking comfort and entertainment more than purpose just because it's easier and there's less endurance and uncertainty involved? Let the Word of God minister to you today as we close in Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 37. Now, as we close does not mean y'all walk out of here yet. (laughs) Romans 8, 35 through 37, the Bible says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Will you listen to this? If you're dealing with fear today, would you just hear the Word of God? Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, or are persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. As the Scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. Verse 37, no! Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. More than conquerors. That's what we have as a promise in Jesus. So I would encourage you today to trust in the promised future, but seek God for the present strength. In a nod to Mother's Day and a testimony to the truth of God, let me close with this this morning. When I was younger and dealing with my own protest against the will of God, I reached this point where I started shaking my fist and telling God what he was doing to me and that he didn't know what he was doing at all. Now I remember standing outside of my home and talking to my mother, just griping and complaining about this situation. Now I remember where we were. I could take you to the spot right now. My mama just let me vent for a little bit. She listened. And I just kept going. And finally, she interrupted me and she pointed her finger at me. She said, Andy John, you're going to have to trust God or not. That's it. I've remembered that during my life all the way to 40 years to tell it to you. Sometimes, Christian, when you're going back and forth on what you need to do and there's uncertainty, if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, if you believe that God is in control, that he is sovereign, then sometimes you're just going to have to trust God or not. You've got a decision to make every day when you wake up. You've got to decide if God knows more than you. You've got to decide if your life is really in his hands or it's something that you just think you believe in when it's all good. You've got to decide these things when you wake up. It is a truth-filled challenge and choice for the believer to trust God or don't. But let me remind you that the Scripture says that even when we are faithful, God is faithful. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. There's another version of that scripture that says, he will make your path straight. We believe in a God that makes crooked paths straight. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. I want you to think as we respond this morning, I'm so glad that all of you are here. I, I really am. I, I would ask that you would to consider... Before you leave, what is the next step in your life of faith? What would God have you do next? And is it fear that's straight up keeping you from that? Have you been visiting churches, but you've not let yet landed because you're afraid of what may happen from the last time it happened? Or maybe you're afraid of what will be asked of you, or maybe you're afraid of how it's going to change the way or require the way that you live to be altered because of what, how the church does. Don't let fear keep you from being faithful. Is fear keeping you from baptism? Is, is fear keeping you from a group? Is fear keeping you from being generous? Is fear keeping you from salvation? And God, if I, if I commit my life to you by faith, I don't know what that's going to look like. It's going to change everything to God be the glory. To God be the glory, amen? Act in faith today, not in fear. Lord, we bring you... Our trust. Father, even as I preach and teach this morning, I'm reminded of all kinds of different things, all kinds of different chapters that would threaten my faith. Oh God, that I would have people around me, your Spirit in me, the Bible over me to remind me that you are God. You are always faithful, you take care of your people. You make crooked paths straight. Lord, that we would leave here faithful people who truly live in this world and light it up, but are trusting our future to you. Lord, we thank you once again for your Spirit's work in our life. I pray, Father, we would be obedient today to decide with devotion, to follow you wherever we go. Lord, to trust you with the big decisions and small. And Father, may our faith be stronger than our fear. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. This altar is open for you. We have people here to talk with you, decision counselors to help you to the next step.